0: Welcome to Tackle Talk Live, a show dedicated to making you a better angler. Your hosts, b General Manager Kevin Jean and Diowa Ranger Pro Staffer Steve Graff will keep you up to date on what's happening on the best lakes in the Arklatex region with a primary focus on Sam Rayburn and Toledo Bend, two guys who have fished at a high level with Pro-Am experience with ABA, BFLs, Toyota Series, and BASS Opens. Anglers with a wealth of knowledge and willing to share. So pull up a chair Kick back and see why so many anglers watch Tackle Talk Live. Here are your hosts, Kevin Jean and Steve Graf.
1: Welcome to Tackle Talk Live, Wednesday, or excuse me, Tuesday, January the third of twenty twenty-three. I'm thirteen fishing. Camus Pro Staffer, Steve with VNM General Manager, Kevin Jean. Kevin, we're back, dude. Looking forward to a great 23 fishing season,
2: dude. We're back. 2023 is here, Steve, and the tournaments start right off the bat. You know, I mean, it's it, January is as full as it can get over there at Sam Rayburn. Every weekend, major tournament going on. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to kicking it off. Uh you know, I, I'm I'm as busy as ever right now, but I'm I'm ready for everything in the in the fishing world to kick off. And, and talking
1: about kicking off, you know, everything so early, Kevin, January. Our TTL question of the week I, I posted on there. Our uh, tournaments starting too early, but with the lack of weekends and boat ramps available, would you rather fish into the fall, September October? So we'll see what kind of feedback we get on that. I'm anxious to hear what some of the guys have to say. Well, your deer hunters, you know, are going to be against that, but Uh, and you duck hunters probably, but how many guys really would, would rather go on into the fall and continue to fish instead of starting January one, you know, getting ready for a tournament the week after Christmas?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it is, it's quick. I mean, a lot of guys are still hunting. Uh, I I have mixed emotions about it, Steve. I have mixed feelings. Um, but I mean, it is what it is. I mean, we, it's here and you know, and it, we're in the dead heat of winter but and luckily, it's not cold yet, um, but it's here, you know, and it's been like this for a while now. I know five, six years, it's been like this. First weekend of January, oh year ago. The EFL kicks off every
1: year, first week in January on Sam Rayburn, so for the Cowboy Division. And uh, so, uh, but before we get to all that, today on Tackle Talk Live, we're going to visit with a guy that's going to give you all the inside scoop about Sam Rayburn, Sam Rayburn guide Brian Bronham is gonna be our special guest today. He's gonna to break big Sam down for us and uh, with the anglers getting ready this coming weekend, Kevin, the BFL will be taking place. And then next week the ABA open series will kick off. Uh, so we've got some much needed heavy rain last week and this week, uh, We should bring the lake up a bit. Presently it sits Kevin at 159.14. That's 5.26 feet low. I was over there Friday or Saturday. And you better be careful. you better know where you're at, especially on that north end above one forty seven because it's a little hairy up there, and uh, but the lake has risen in the last seven days, seven point five six inches.
2: yeah, it, it has Stephen. That's why you know, and I haven't been on the water lately. i'm I'm boatless right now, waiting on my next boat, but i'm I'm anxious to hear from Brian, you know what th- we've got a lot of rain over the past month, and the changes in the lake. Um, and the changes that are still going on on the lake and how he's catching these fish, uh, especially in some probably muddy water conditions, I'm assuming, uh, in the grass. And we know Brian, well, he likes catching catch them shallow. He likes catching catch them deep. So that's why I really am anxious to talk to him today um, just to hear you know, the different ways he's catching them to kind of preview Sam Rayburn for January for all these tournaments we got coming up. I mean, this weekend, the BFL. Next weekend, ABA. You've got the Brandon Belt Tournament next weekend. Two weeks from now, you've got Bass Champs. Uh, the week at, and the week after that, you got the Toyota Series and the Outlaw Team Series Number One. So every weekend in January is a huge, huge tournament. So really, like I said, want, want Brian to break this down for us to, to help our anglers that are getting ready to come practice for these tournaments. Maybe give them a little uh, insight of what's going on with Sam Rayburn. Yep, we'll
1: talk about all that and a lot more when we return. We'll talk with Sam Rayburn guy Brian Bronham as he gives our gives us his perspective on how Rayburn will fish this coming weekend. You're watching Tackle Talk Live.
0: Toledo Health is a full-service primary and acute care clinic. Nurse practitioners Jarrett Rule and Melissa Vines bring quality health care that's needed and convenient to the area. Whether it's a stomach virus or a hook in your hand, Toledo Healthcare will try and meet all your health care needs. Appointments available and walk-ins are always welcome. So the next time you're feeling down at Toledo Bend, stop by Toledo Healthcare, Located on Highway 6, just south of Toledo Town, or you can call 318-508-5323. For all your boating needs, check out Shreveport's newest marine dealer, The Boat Shop. Raymond Kidd and his great staff will take care of all your engine repair needs or anything else that needs fixing. A certified Yamaha Mercury dealer, they carry two of the best fishing boats on the market, from SeaArk and Camus. The Boat Shop is never short on trade-ins, as they're always willing and able to make you the best deal possible. Looking for great boat accessories? They're a full support garment and Minn Kota dealer. So the next time you're in the market for a new or used boat, Or maybe you just need to service the boat you have, let the boat shop fix you up. To learn more, call 318-402-0399 or go to ShreveportBoatShop.com. The next time you're on I-49, just south of Natchitoches, Louisiana, stop by Cypress Knee Outdoors. A store within a store, Cypress Knee is located inside 3J's 4-Way. Whether you need gas, food, or drinks, they have it. While you're there, check out Cypress Knee Outdoors and pick up whatever hunting or fishing tackle you need. Top name brands like Strike King, Santones, Pro, or the number one soft plastics made, VNM. On the hunting side, they carry guns from Mossberg, Winchester, and Remington. Plus, they've got a great supply of ammunition. Let John Abram and his staff show you everything Cypress Knee has to offer. Located just one mile east of 127 on I-49 or call 318-238-HUNT. You're watching Tackle Talk Live, a show dedicated to making you a better angler. Now back to the guys with all the inside scoop, Kevin Jean and Steve Graff.
1: Watching Tackle Talk Live. Thank you for sending us in this segment presented by Toledo Health, the Boat Shop, and Three J's Four Way Home of Cypress Knee Outdoors. And on the phone, we have the man himself, Mr. Sam Rayburn. Mr. Brian Bronham. Brian, how you doing today, bud? Doing well. How are y'all doing? We're doing great. Kevin's down there in Lafayette, and I'm up here in Ackley's, but we're doing good. That's
3: good. Hopefully, I'll miss some of these thunderstorms.
1: Yeah, they definitely came through, and uh, and it looks like we dropped a lot of rain. And I guess that just takes us right to where we kind of want to go uh, with you, Brian. With the BFL coming up this week, you know, how has the lake – I know it's been low, five over 5.26 feet low, but it's been rising seven inches over the last seven days, and all this rain we're getting is going to just keep con- continue to rise, which we are – happy to see because it's pretty treacherous especially on that north end of 147 you better know where you're at uh you tear some stuff up over there right now
3: yeah um see that's been a big point of most of my reports and communications to the public lately at least for the last few months it uh said a really pinnacle time for being careful out there i mean I've been advising through my reports to not run on plane at all if you don't know exactly where you are, especially up north.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: I also try to mention there's a row of trees between Five Fingers and south side of the lake there that most people just don't realize is there until you get low enough to see a couple of them, but they need to really run down the sides of the lake along through there.
2: Right there around 147 Bridge, you know, running main lake, everybody runs through the deer stand. Can you even run
3: that? Um, you know, we've got the long cut goes straight from the 147 Bridge, really a little bit north of there at what's called the old town of Warsaw, the hump out yeah. there by the river. And once you leave that area, you've got a straight shot to Hanks Creek, actually to Hanks Creek launching ramp which is not even close to where actually hanks creek is but the long cut and the shortcut they've been there since the beginning they are bulldozed and it is safe to run right down the middle of both of those you just got to have them you know on your map because a lot of those trees are broken off low now
1: brian is that part is that part of the new mapping system that's come out over there sam rayburn and taludan that marks the new boat roads up to the 103 bridge is that is that the same boat run um yes sir and
3: You know, Lance Vick did one a while back when it was real low, and it's on BoatLanes.com. I support the use of that particular map, me and a friend, a guide partner. um, We pretty much ran all those at lake level and lower to, you know, make sure we're recommending something that's not going to get anybody hurt. I I don't run all of those lanes once it gets down to 161, 162. But the main ones, the Long Cut, the shortcut, Cut, Ewing Cut, um, the Shirley Creek Cut, and all those, they go all the way to the 103 Bridge. Just before it, it stops near the front of Duranzo Creek. But all of those main roads that are on that chip are good. Now, the, yeah. little, the smaller roads and the one that goes to the Amber Forest and so forth, you know—I I would stay away from that stuff. But he does have caution yeah. on the map there.
2: Yeah. Brian, what about from 147 Bridge, like running running through Harvey, how all of us run? How, how is that looking right now?
3: Running what now from the 147 where?
2: So, say Harvey.
3: Oh, you know, if I was going 147 to Harvey, I'd go ahead and go around by Calhoun Point and go between the Amber Forest and the Black Forest, and there is a mark for that on some maps. Um, that's simply how I would do it, especially if I had customers. If I was buzzing around by myself, knowing that area pretty good at the exact current lake level, I'd probably zip through those islands. But, man, there's just very little margin for error doing that. I'd be extremely careful.
2: I I knew just from past, you know, I knew kind of when the lake got to this water level, man, that kind of got sketchy running between those islands. Just from the past history I've been there, when this level, it gets a little sketchy running around through there.
3: Well, I wouldn't, like I said, it would be something I'd only do on my own. And i mean i can run that river way up north when it's low like this because it's marked so well i've got to transpose from google earth photos to my mapping and i have double heading sensors on the boat double both compass and satellite i mean i wouldn't recommend it to anybody except someone yeah. who knows exactly where they're at and i mean you got to drive like a crazy man to get through those islands in a couple of places, two particular little turns, you're just gonna go right on the ground.
1: But you so can do it
3: right now. I just wouldn't advise it to anyone that doesn't
1: know exactly how to do it. So Brian, when when do when is you, you say basically, okay, it's so at 15914 as of uh today. When when is it at 161, 162 before we can feel fairly confident we can run again? Um
3: Yes, yes, I mean, two feet low, one sixty four forty is the conservation pool level. anything within two feet of that, you know there's a there's a certain mark I've got that's one sixty two thirty five sounds real particular and everything, but that but above that, I don't watch too close on you know almost all boat lanes that people use below that, I start really watching. And you get down around 160, I mean, if I'm going to run something for a week or two, or if I'm going to fish a tournament, let's say, because I don't tournament fish anymore, but if I were fishing a tournament and I knew I was going to, say, end up in buck, the back of buck, let's say, well, I'm going to idle that road with side scan on before I run it if I'm down around 160 and be sure there's nothing I'm going to hit. You know, I'm going to idle it, trolling motor, whatever. Um, so right. 160 is the very beginning of just extreme hazard uh, <laughs> down below one six, 158 like where we got recently just a few hundredths of a foot you know there's some crazy crazy movement of the lake over long periods of time and if you were around it last time it was the, this low it's not the same even as it was then i mean these winds and hurricanes and all the things of the, the lake water is powerful it moves that sand and dirt around and and You know, you can have blowdowns that are deadhead on the bottom where you were running over a three-foot flat. Now you've got something that's just under the water level laying down out there. So, you know, you got to be careful. Weird, weird, weird things happen. Um, I don't want to get into it too much, but lightning struck my boat Friday, and we weren't even in a storm. We were a a little bit off of it, probably two miles, first time it ever happened. But we were doing everything you could possibly do to be safe. And at that same, you know, we still got hit. So nobody got hurt severely and, uh, you know, just scared us and so forth. But, you know, it comes back to water level and everything. You just got to really pre-run pre, pre, pre run and look at it, plan well, and look at those things before you're going to run somewhere that you're not 100% what the conditions are.
1: Yeah all right let's go let's go into the fishing part now uh how has the lake been fishing i know the water temperature a couple of weeks ago you know that last week of december after christmas we had a hard freeze come through uh well i i, I was on the lake friday or Saturday, it was 52.5 i think was the warmest water i found and uh but uh, it, the lake's definitely cooled off has not it
3: you know it's been up and down a lot we, I- can't even remember the beginning of this um, weather that's kind of been off and on. But the very first hard freeze and then the, the bunch of rain, there was a warm front in between there, I believe. And we started catching fish on weightless fluke-type baits up on top of grass anywhere. You know, we were in 56, 57-degree water. And then comes just an absolute... 10-degree weather event that just changed everything again. And then on top of that, super big water really soon after that that front. So, you know, it's been up and down. The water's mixed up. It's really it's really in poor condition, if you want to know the truth. Um, there's them all over the place, um, all kinds of floating debris, including small branches, little bitty twigs, what looks like pieces of hay and grass on the water, just about anywhere you stop, you're going to see some of this. And likewise, in the water column with a really high quality down scan, you're going to see a lot of particulate matter. It'll, it's going to look a little bit like turnover. It won't, won't have any vertical bubbles or anything like that. But you're going to see a clutter, especially in the top 20 feet. So, you know, we, we received a tremendous amount of rain both in the lake and in the watershed. It was kind of the perfect storm for us getting some water. I don't think we'll see a peak in it for two or three days even from right now. But one thing I'll tell you, you know, with, with all that being said and all of the ups and downs of the lake, I have still been fishing fairly deep. That's what I do a whole lot of. Um, it's something that my clients seem to enjoy. And most people know that their deep fish, their weakness, or, you know, a lot of that's happening. in And scope and some of these other things have turned that around to where, You know it's no longer so horrible to go after fish suspended in say 40 feet of water on shad you know there was a time we we just couldn't fish for those fish we just didn't know how if we did it was very random well now you can target them flat out and those fish seem to be less affected by everything that's been going on so you know on the bright side there there's always a reaction by it there's always places that are warmer than others there's always water that's in better quality than other places um, like for instance, Ash Bay, Buck Bay, all that area up there is kind of brown. Um, there's just giant salvania that's dead-looking, just floating in big long S's down the lake. I mean, it's pretty bizarre. And then um, up in the forest, on the other end of things, the water's real green and looks real good up there as of yesterday. So, you know, you got you got conditions that are from one end of the spectrum to the other. The one thing that I have found, though, is that the deeper fish that are on shad, really not on structure, they're near structure, and they probably home base on that structure, but it's just not deep enough where they generally are for these shad. You know, they've been at 29 to 36, and the fish are positioned above them and feeding from the top. They're not going down there below them and feeding from the bottom They're they're, they're liking to be above the shad. There's plenty of them. Some of them right now are off the chart size-wise, which we don't get all the time. It has to do with the low water. They're displaced from their normal home, let's say. Um, like Let's take a big old flat like farmers. There's no grass on farmers, but there's tons of brush and lay-down trees and spider stumps and all that kind of stuff. And Those fish, if they normally live in 12 feet of water out there on one of these logs, on one of these spider stumps. I mean, that's literally home base, those fish. They may have four or five in a given area that they're back and forth in, but they're not just running all over the place. Well, if that water is now six foot low, I mean, six foot deep, they're not happy. They move toward the edge of the flats. You know, they're now in wind wind action. You know, the wind action is disturbing them at six feet deep over a long period of time. They're relocating. Well, they end up out at the edge of the flats, and they occasionally get caught up in this uh, great big large balls of shad feeding they may not go real far with them um, there is a contingent of fish that aren't real mature that go with them anywhere they go i think up to three pounds or so but these larger fish are getting caught up in this stuff and we're seeing more and more of them in the last week alone i mean fish in the six seven pound range have been caught fishing the tops of these shad where i mean it was impossible before forward sonar literally i mean we caught some back in the day like that but it's just something you couldn't just go out and count on it then and now man you're willing to work at you can sure get on some nice fish that way right now i think it's number one pattern on the lake that's my own opinion
2: brian you're saying you're catching the, the bigger fish on top of the shed how deep in the water yes, now two two question how deep is the water where the shad are and then how far down in the water column are the shad
3: i've caught them from 38 to 62 foot overall depth but that's just because where there's a 20 foot thick school of shad that's a hundred plus feet long that fills my entire live scope screen when i got it set on 110 and it goes back 20 feet behind the unit so you know it's just one long pad cushion of shad that's you know irresistible the fish are getting near there and they're not really moving as fast as they were like you say the water is getting in the 50s and they're they're easier to target they don't run off as quick when you get near them and you can you can fish for them and um the the overall water depth really is not a big deal it does not matter it simply doesn't matter how deep it is i would say that if you're not over 30 foot deep you're not going to see this stuff because they're not wanting to come above at least day before yesterday and yesterday weren't wanting to come above about 30 foot these type fish because the fish will but the shad aren't and it's a glass ceiling is what I personally always called it they just won't go above it once they're acclimated to that really deep water even at the peril of being eaten you know the fish are feeding against kind of a glass ceiling down there and the shad, they just won't they won't run up these ridges and so forth. I think it's because they'll have, you know, barotrauma, just like fish we pull in from deep water.
1: <clears throat> now Brian, when you uh it, go ahead. We're getting in that time we're getting in that time of year when the old methylate worm over grass or the bubble gum, Is it that time with the water temperature in the low fifties to mid fifties? Is it getting close to where you can pick up that weightless worm like that and, and, and go you know, to work? I, I think I think both <clears throat> that technique, extremely
3: slow but methodic wake bait type presentations. Back in the day, it was just old bomber top water bait or, or a red fin or something. Now we've got some really neat fancy movement and some wake baits. and I think wake bait, um, even buzz baits, I mean, I had a co win a tournament out of the back of my boat in mid-50s water, so Um, you know, you never know what a fish is going to do. I'm certainly not going to tell them what to do, but I would say that the water is going to have to stabilize some before you're going to see very much of that, unless you find some really good grass areas or really, really good structure areas that I don't know about that the water's not really, really bad stained and colder than, and colder than water that's deeper. Um, now that'll change very quick. It's warm today. This is a warm rain. It's amazing how quick it's going back and forth but i mean i saw a six degree temperature differential from the mouth of the cove to the back of it this last week so wow. yeah. if you find if you find it right yeah but that was those things will definitely produce
2: i i want to jump back to those those bait fish uh just in the day we live in nowadays so Would you mind, or if you don't, or if you don't want to go into great detail about it, let's don't worry about it. But I I want to pick your brain on here on the baits you're using to catch those fish if you're willing to.
3: Man, I put them in reports every single week. What do you want to know? I mean, my reports are exactly what goes on out there, in my opinion. It's just if people are dedicated to this, they're going to catch them. I'm telling you right now, if they're not dedicated to it and they give up after an hour, it's just like any other fishing. they're never really going to learn it and master it. Primarily, I'm using a jackal tail spinner that's one ounce. I'm using a three-quarter ounce jigging spoon, just same old hammered silver and chrome jigging spoons. You buy two to a card. Cotton cordel. I do modify them a little bit, better hook, put a swivel on the front so you don't twist your line up. Um, I use 20-pound line on both of those. And there's kind of a reason for it, but it's basically just what I use. And then um, I use six-inch flutter spoons when fish get worked up, and there's some larger ones in the area. Four and six-inch flutter spoons have caught some for us. And there will be some a-rig fishing. I don't do some, I don't do very much of it out of my boat because ten hooks flying around if you don't do it all the time, <laughs> and, <Yeah>. and backlashes. <laughs> and you know it's kind of a hard bait if you're not seasoned fishermen, but if they are, we will use that as well um those baits require heavier weights than normal um then i say normal i mean what's normal to me is eight on every one of them but they're just deep so you got to get it down there um i don't personally think it's necessary at all to catch them i mean if you get a spoon right beside one and shake it real good they'll, they'll follow it all the way 40 feet you know and then eventually take it that thing going by them is just a little minnow and those are my primary baits. Jackal's not the only tail spinner. I use the six cents in shallower water. I use a good old wing-ding type bait, rinky-dink type bait also. Um, there's some one-ounce spurs that are made with that line-through type construction, and I think that that's probably a better way to land a really big one when you get them hooked. I've had personally had a couple of big ones on that that, you know, they were only hung on a little number eight treble hook, but they were hung yep. good. And I had all the time in the world, you know, so... Um, but all, anything, really, that you can get down there to these fish and get really close to them, and uh, mm-hmm. it all comes down to just what baits are best for where you are, and one-ounce spinners of a variety of types. Um, there's some blade baits that are doing well. Um, spoons blade baits and um, and tail spinners is my primary bait that are on the deck. So, Brian, it's
1: not the bait. It's not. It's getting it right in front of the fish. So, with a big worm and a brush top, if you're telling me they're kind of above the brush. Is that just not a good idea right now, the brush top, fishing um, with a heavy know worm? I've seen.
3: Ah, man, I really don't think they're real heavy in the brush right now. I could be completely wrong. I mean, I'm not fishing it except to fish for fish that we see that are loose on those piles during overhead weather over overcast days or windy days you know the fish will get loose on those piles above them beside them and all that and you can see them real good and you can bring open hook baits down through there that don't ever touch the wood with scope so you know we do that quite a bit but it's just like a stump to me you know it's just like a really large stump down there that's the way i fish it now it's not the time of year that i usually really get into those piles not not for me you know. it's not cold enough for them to be just sucked in and and it and there's you know it's hard to fish for those fish in a lot of the time a lot of the days we have right now without you know being just completely anchored so i'm not doing it now i'm not saying it's not happening but we've had some nice fish off the top of piles lately you bet one of the largest fish i've seen was still in the water by my boat it just we ran out of line on the thing you know what i'm saying and i mean i went back to that same place after that exact same fish that's kind of stuff that's going on targeting fish like that
2: can't hear me brian what about a rattle trap bite up shallow i know you've been doing that you're known for that uh rattle trap guy that you are uh have you done a little bit of that
3: Yes, I've had a couple of really good days.
2: They are on these more stable third,
3: fourth day of warming trend or third, fourth day of just any kind of really stable weather where everything settles out of the water and you can find some good green grass lines. and sure, the, the rail by is, I'd say, it's phenomenal in some areas. I, I happen to know a few little flat channel swings near long points where you know you can probably catch them any given time from now through February. They'll just get better. That same bite is good with a vibrating jig of your favorite type. You know, that's also producing a lot of fish in shallow water. Um, a couple of days of the warm weather we had recently, nearly a week, I think it's been two weeks, They the, the shallows were so full of bass up to about three and a half pounds that it was just amazing to me. I had quite a few yeah. people contact me that had been concerned about some of the size ranges of fish may be missing from our lake and so forth is simply not true i mean that is just not true when the weather gets right you'll see it flat out i mean go out there and catch 50 a day on a weightless fluke man i mean just because it's the right what's wet the right weather they just come out of nowhere you know they're all in that grass there are some fish starting to move up into channel edges and so here but when we get these extremes, they move. I can tell they are there one day and not the next. You know, sightseeing so yeah, the same last, exact spot. Last plot. question
2: for you here. Last question for you here, Brian. I got well, I got kind of two of them. So, of course, and I know you're out of the tournament game, but you you kind of got a feel of, of the lake and how it's fishing. So this weekend we got the BFL, uh, which is a singles tournament, as you know. Next week, uh, it starts some of the team tournament stuff, the uh, Brandon Belt tournaments next weekend. Give me your thoughts on what it will take to win the BFL this weekend and a two, the Brandon Belt two-day tournament next coming uh, next weekend. Brandon Belt two-day. What's going to be the total? What would be your thought for the total two-day winning weight for those
3: two tournaments? Well, it would be, to- be totally different if the weather wasn't so strange. Okay, the weather we've had is going to affect a ton of the fishing. It's not going to affect the best of the best. That's not. They're going to figure out ways to catch them. It's just the way it is nowadays. And I think the weights will be a little off because of the conditions. Um, they're going to be less likely to have someone, for instance, catch all of their one-day five fish on scope. Um, you know, they're probably going to catch, you know, some nice fish without any kind of scope or anything, and then catch one great big one, go with them, maybe two. Um, so, you know, that puts the weights in 25 to 30 pounds on the first place to maybe second place in both those events. And if you're talking about two days in a row, one person the following week, it'll be well over 40 pounds mm-hmm. for two days. One day weight wow. in this BFL is probably going to be 26 or eight pounds. we got a lot mm-hmm. of big fish on wow. the lake right now. Yeah. yeah. And it may be five, five pounders. You know, that's the kind of thing I'm seeing. That's where these fish top out on the, on the shad. And if that doesn't change, and if some of these fish stay in the midwater column like that, they're just sitting ducks for a good guy with a scope. And so that's, I, that's just my, that's my prediction. Probably 42 or 3 pounds at the belt, and then um, 26 and 8 pounds range in this BFL. And one of those guys in scope will have that one day and the next day won't have quite, quite as me. Yeah. My, my thinking. But <clears> it is a volatile environment, very volatile out there. So, I mean, a lot of things can happen.
1: Yeah. Brian, we appreciate it, man. Appreciate the info. And uh, always, as always, you always do a great job of breaking the lake down. And we can't say thank you enough. And hopefully this will help some guys uh, do well the next two weeks over there. As, uh, and again, as Brian's talked about, uh, the warming trend, it, it's in the 60s for the next 10 days. So, uh, if it does me... I'm, I'm gonna tell this one thing is
3: you can't spend enough time getting around and looking at all the different water conditions and, 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 you know, the actual cover conditions and so forth because they range from absolutely nasty to beautiful, you know, and if you don't find some of that in between and upper end water to fish, you're in bad you're in a bad situation.
1: Yeah.
3: I'd get around a lot. Uh, That's what I would do. Move a lot to look at it in practice. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate you, man. Hey man. See y'all later. Y'all have a good day.
1: All right. Thanks, Brian. Brian Brownham uh, giving us a good breakdown there, Kevin. Uh, like what he like what he said. Basically, it's kind of pick your poison. Uh, you know, do you want to get in the grass? Do you want to fish the edge of grass? Do you want to go out deep and fish above the tops? I mean, it's kind of a smorgasbord yeah. over there. It sounds
2: like. Yeah, and and Steve, I hate I'm not able to fish BFL this weekend, and I, I just don't have a boat yet. I, I'd be <laughs> over there because. I mean, I, I love to do what he just said. I, I, well, I've Well, I've learned the last couple of years, just started learning how to catch these fish with your live scope in deep, deep water, over, you know, above the shad. And man, it's just a blast to catch them that way. And and what he's saying, he's like, you're catching five, six, seven pounders above the shad. So he's saying over 25 pounds is going to win the BFL this weekend, most likely being caught that way. And man, I'm just itching because I hate I'm going to miss that because... That can be fun now that is a oh a, a big hero zero type deal yeah um you know yeah. if i was somebody wanting to do really well in this uh in the you know for the bfls somebody really wanting points pick you up a trap or a chatterbait or something most likely gets that 12 to 15 pounds you know and, and maybe go out and, and try to do the scope stuff later on in the day that's but It'll be one somebody committing to live scoping all day. Just my opinion, just how the fish are setting up right now. Yeah. Um, and Steve, I want to have one plug here because I, I got to throw a Venom plug here. You know, the bait he's using, and he said it, the line through bait uh, for that, for that you know, a wing ding type bait, but the line through, he's throwing the jackal, which is not a line through. Uh, it's a really good bait. I, I'm not saying it, it's a really good bait, but to catch fish that size, in my opinion, the line through it, it helps you get them in the boat. It helps the hookup ratio. Uh, it helps you get them in the boat. b has the new little hammer designed by Daryl Gleason, guys. This is a bait you need to try out. It comes in three quarter and a one ounce we have three different colors uh but it is the ideal bait for these conditions and okay steve i had to do my plug i'm done now with that
1: well and when they're feeding them shad there's just not much there's not much nothing better than that bait right there i mean uh it's just dynamite over there so and it's that time of year so it's just that time of year a lot of guys like to throw that bait uh we're going to take one more quick break uh when we return, we'll kind of go over the, uh, real quick, the BFL schedule. Uh, Kevin's already kind of alluded to the January tournament. We'll cover that one more time. And uh, also uh, talk about the Southwest Division of the Solo 150 Tour. We'll talk about that. Numbers are looking good for that particular event. So, uh, uh, But we'll be right back with more Tackle Talk Live right after this.
0: Are you looking for the finest custom-built rods ever made? Then look no further than Pride Rods. Fishing rods built to last and made in Montgomery, Texas. Constructed by Mr. Billy Kissler with the finest Gary Loomis North Fork Composite Blanks available. They offer a complete line of both spinning and casting rods for both fresh and salt water. Pride Rods do more than pass the eye test. They excel in performance as well. Ask your local tackle dealer if they carry Pride Rods and pick one up and try it for yourself. You'll See why so many anglers are using Pride Rods. To learn more, go to priderods.com or call 832 418 6040. The next time you're headed for Toledo Bend or Sam Rayburn, stop by Keith's Toledo Bend Tackle. They have an awesome supply of everything you'll need to catch the big ones. Whether your trip calls for bass fishing, white perch tackle, catfish bait, or the ultimate fighting shiners, Keith's Tackle has you covered. Keith and former Elite Series pro Ben Matsubu also have the latest information on what, how, and where you need to be fishing on Sam Rayburn or the Bend. So for all your tackle needs, check out Keith's Toledo Bend Tackle located just off Highway 21 on the Texas side of Toledo Bend or call 409-625-0181. The Lakes Insurance Agency is an independent insurance agency that has been taking care of Texans insurance needs for over 25 years, offering auto, homeowners, boat, RV, life, health, and commercial insurance. Owner Clark Moore is a local guide and tournament angler who understands your insurance needs and wants to be your go-to guy for all your insurance needs. For a free quote, give him a call and see why so many Texans trust the Lake Insurance Agency. Located at 805 Southeast Stalling Suite 3, Nacogdoches, Texas, Or call 936-205-4467. You're watching Tackle Talk Live, a show dedicated to making you a better angler. Now back to the guys with all the inside scoop, Kevin Jean and Steve Graf.
1: You're watching Tackle Talk Live. We appreciate each and every one of you tuning us in. Again, this first show of 2023. Kevin and I are looking forward to a complete season this year. And uh, bringing you the, all the inside information between Toledo Bend, Sam Rayburn, and Kevin, one thing real quick we can talk about after this segment is presented by Pride Rides. Keith Toledo Ben Tackle and the Lakes Insurance of Nacogdoches, Texas, two locations, Broadus Texas and Nacogdoches as well. And, and Kevin, Toledo Ben got a lot more tournaments over there this year, t- stuff that have circuits have gotten away from it. They're coming back. We do, we have-
2: about Toledo Bend today but those tournaments coming up February March is when those tournaments really load up over there on Toledo Bend so really excited to talk more a little bit Toledo Bend uh in the few weeks coming up we'll kind of start jumping into some fishing reports we'll get some guides over there from Toledo Bend hey those guys are catching them right now Steve over there you can catch them shallow you can catch them deep you can catch them however you want to catch them right now in Toledo Bend those boys over there are having a blast everybody I talk to is just catching lots of numbers Plus, you can go catch them up shallow in the grass. You can catch them out deep, uh, you know, basically kind of however you want to catch them. But I'm, I look anxi- I'm anxious for Toledo Bend this year. I think it's going to finally start going back to the old Toledo Bend.
1: Yeah, yeah. And one circuit that's going back to Toledo Bend, uh, actually going to Toledo Bend for the first time uh, in the second year of its, of its existence. Or I guess it's maybe the second or third.
2: It's second time. I fished one there the first year it did. Yeah, the
1: 150 Tour is actually going to open up on Toledo Bend February 5th and 6th out of uh, Cypress Bend. And then also the uh, Sam Rayburn event is March 26th, 27th out of Castle Boykin. And then – well, no, hold on. That's old. I'm sorry. I got the wrong schedule here. That is completely wrong. So ignore what I just said. Well, I'll have that schedule for you next week, actually. And uh, (laughs) – I, when I realized you followed,
2: yeah, what up. I got damn. Okay. Do you have it? Do you have that? those dates? I mean, I have them in my calendar. I don't have the... Yeah. I have them all down in my calendar. <laughs> yeah,
1: I got mine in my calendar. I thought I had it when
2: I saw March 17th it. is on uh, Sam Rayburn.
1: Yes, it opens up yeah. Sam Rayburn. Then we're going to Lake of the Pines.
2: Yeah.
1: And what's the date on that? Do you remember? I think it's in, uh, is that May? Uh, Let's see here. Yep, Lake of the Pines is going to be the 28th and 29th of uh, April. And then I think it's...
2: uh, May 26, 27, Toledo Bend. Yep,
1: 26, 27, Toledo Bend. And that'll be out of, I believe, Lost Frontier Park. Is where they're yeah, going that's, Yeah, play.
2: that's March. Yeah, mar- so it doesn't start to March, the solo 150. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah.
1: So all you got now coming up is the Open Series, which starts on the 14th. That's the Southeast or Southwest Texas Division, Southeast Texas Division of the uh, ABA Open Series that opens up the 14th, uh, which is not the same weekend as the Brandon Belt.
2: Yeah, so. and let me correct myself. I, I just, I was, we was talking to Brian, and I was thinking two day because the last year the Brandon Belt was a two day tournament. This year is 12 through the 14th, so first two days everybody fishes, then they take top 20 uh, that fishes on the final third day. So top 20 fishes the third day, so I I misspoke while I going to call it a two-day tournament, but yes, the top 20 fishes the third day. Um, Actually, last year was the same way, but only top 20 fishes the third day, but Brandon Belt is a three-day tournament. See, we're going to get our info right today.
1: Yeah, uh, well, it's the first show of the year. We'll we, we're, we're do a few screw-ups. Rusty. Anyway, we're rusty. The Bass, Champs, uh, the Bass Champs Tournament Trail, all you guys that are going to be fishing at Rayburn uh, for the next two weeks, uh, especially the 14th, that's the last weekend the Bass Champs guys can scout. So between Brandon Belt, uh, ABA Open Series, <laughs> you got Bass Champ scouts going on. I mean, it's going to be a packed house at Rayburn on the 14th, so get ready.
2: Oh, it's gonna be. I mean, every day now, every pretty day, every day that's not windy and people are out there, the boat ramps are gonna be full. Cause I mean, you. Yeah. So let's just hear it real quick. So January seventh, BFL. Uh, twelfth through the fourteenth is the Brandon Belt tournament. The fourteenth is the ABA at Castle Boykins. So all you guys that don't make the top twenty, you go fish ABA. Uh, January twenty-first is Bass Champs. January twenty-fifth through the twenty-seventh is the Toyota's uh, Toyota tournaments. Uh, and then January 28th is Outlaws Team Series number one. So right. uh, it, every weekend, Steve, every weekend there is a major tournament going on on Sam Rayburn. So there's going to be – every chance they get, it's pretty weather. Them guys can get out on the water. The ramps are going to be full at Sam Rayburn. Yep. And the lake hopefully will continue to rise and get
1: back to a normal pool with all this rain we got coming through. So should be some good times, good fishing, and uh, looking forward to the 2023 season, Kevin. So, hey, that's going to wrap us up. Anything else you got?
2: Nope. I think that does it for the first week. Maybe we knock some of the rust off. Come back next week and hopefully have a maybe the possibly the winner of the BFL. We'll see what goes on BFL. See who we have uh, next week and uh, go from there. All right. Hey, thank you for tuning us in. Please check us out on our YouTube page, our
1: Facebook, Instagram, podcast. If you'd like to become a member of our sponsorship team, please message Kevin on our Facebook page and Kevin will make sure he gets a packet out to you detailing all the information that you need to know to become a sponsor of this program. For Kevin Jean, yours truly, Steve Graff. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week with more Tackle Talk Live.